Hello and welcome to episode 7 of season 4 of the We Move Experience podcast, the podcast where you learn practical and effective ways of dealing with setbacks on your path to success. I'm your host, Dumelo Biani, and today I'm joined by writer and photojournalist, Mamelo Vesidi. Mamelo shared with us her ongoing journey of writing her memoir, the intention to inspire young girls who read the book, and how the process of writing has helped her introspect and heal from some of her past traumas. We also spoke about her photography career with which she intends to capture the African people in a manner that shines positive light onto them and how she uses her social media platforms as both a place of expression and motivating others who can relate to her art and openness to share her personal experience with dealing with depression. Enjoy the episode and I hope you learn something from it. Today we're in again for another awesome episode of our show. Uh, and on the show, we have a very special guest. Uh, Mamelo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Dumelo. It's been a minute uh, since we've caught up. And uh, in the recent time, I recognize that your family was visiting you here in Germany over the festive. And that's as something that I wish to still make possible for my family. I wonder how does it feel when they leave and how much energy did they bring into you starting the new year? First of all, when they left, I was like, because I was really tired of them. <laughs> Weren't they here for a few weeks? <laughs> Listen, I've been trying to get my my family this side, I think still since 2021. Mm-hmm. And with all this COVID uh, stuff, they couldn't fly this side. So last year, finally, they came this side on the 25th of December. Mm-hmm. And they left, they left on the 13th of January. It's just so it was like three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Three, yeah. three weeks. And... I remember when when we were buying flights, I was telling my husband, I was like, ah, three weeks in ya, like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they should stay like a month or like four weeks in one week, you know? <laughs> because then because then I'm gonna miss them and I'm not gonna see them the whole year. And child, I'm telling you. <laughs> it was it was a lot, but I think uh what what was important is that my mother and my little brother got to see where I live they got to get to know my in-laws better because I think like I know for a fact that they haven't really gotten a chance to get to know each other you know we just got in South Africa then relocated and then blah 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 yeah they chat over the phone but it was just nice for them also to just experience um Christmas this side in winter you know knowing that knowing that in South Africa Christmas it's summer music (laughs) you know what I mean so it's a good self and here it was just I think it was just new for them like firstly my mother when she got when she got here we took them to the Christmas markets uh, in Lubeck and Mm. it was like she kept saying it's like I'm watching Home Alone do you know remember Home Alone yes yes. yeah because of all the Christmas tree and the sweets and like just the smell of Christmas and and then we went to my husband's um father's house and when we got there there was like like sparkling wine with toasted and this is all new to them because you know you get to somebody's place and then immediately there's like food and then there's music and then no it was just actually it was just different for them like this whole thing of sitting in a table and having to talk without music and you, you you're bound to stay and like be put in the table and just 
have a conversation. It was just a lot, especially for my mom. For my little brother, I think, I mean, he's 17, so he was just like, you know, he was trying to be cool about it. And he was mm. like, he was engaging. And uh, and he was making eye contact. You know how German people are. Important. Like when you, when you talk with German people, you have to make eye contact. And my mother now and then would be distracted or be on her phone. And I'm like, you can't take your phone to a dinner table. It's like, why? I'm like, uh, but I say, how? When you're in Vegas, you do what, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, um, the context is sometimes missing when you explain to them how we live here over the phone. It's like, you won't get it until you, you miss yourself in it. So I think it, it must have been something that was like a little bit of culture shock, but at least they had a guide, which is you, to, to take them through it. Because Rona, we were kind of like through ourselves here and kind of had to yeah. take it as a come and it was for the long run. So I, I think it's something that's really uh, bringing you closer and a little bit of understanding between, okay, um, I'm outside. I'll talk later. They know what you mean now instead of, ah, just talk. It's not that cold. Or more like, yeah. It's something yeah. I dream of. And I think it's, it's really a good, a good way to start the year. And also three weeks I spent also in South Africa. I was like, I, I want to come back to my own space. Yeah. I, rem- I remember you were telling me, you were like, you I can't wait to be back. I was like, <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about my mom and my little brother being here. And I'm not being a douchebag. I really love them. I really enjoyed spending time with them. But because I got used to spending so much time alone. Even, mm. like, even my, like my husband is never home like most of the time. So I'm always alone. And I enjoy being alone. I, I mean, it's been like how, five years now. And, <laughs> you know, and they were just... Because also for, for the two... For the two weeks in January, they were in Hamburg. Because mm-hmm. for the first, for the first, uh, for the first week when they were here in December, they were in our family hotel in in Lübeck. So they were in Lübeck for for that week when they were here, like the first week in December, they were in Lübeck at the hotel. So it wasn't like it wasn't much needed from my side. I didn't have to plan things. I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to, you know. It was just easy. And then. That last two weeks before they left, then they came to my house in, in, in Hamburg and child, I'm telling you, I had to wake up when I didn't want to. I had to make plans. I have to, you know, I have to, I have to do this and that. And it was just a bit too much for me. And actually that was like, um, I was kind of like, okay, this is maybe why I also don't want to have a child because then <laughs> so much responsibility. I was just like, mm. I was like, I'm not ready. <laughs> It felt like they felt like literally like legit. It felt like they were my kids. Like I had to plan this, and you know, no, I'm not ready, guys. Oh, (laughs) the the tables flipped for a while, and I guess I, I, it's it's fitting to ask you then as to like when you were growing up in your mother's household and um, still going to school as to. How did you see and uh, foresee life in the future? What were your ambitions? What were you looking forward to? And how has things changed from what you thought you were going to be and how life has uh, panned out as we were growing up? Sure. You know, I'm growing up, Ekaya. Why am I speaking Zulu? We are South African. (laughs) (laughs) You speak everything, Sinjalo. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let me just take you a bit uh, back. I'm the first born. My mother has two boys, one girl. And now we have a little sister. Little sister, she is the daughter of my grandmother who raised me in Lesotho. 
and she's late. So now she's my biological sister. You know how we are as black people. Like there's no such thing as as, as a cousin. Of- yeah, my younger sister is from is from my aunt as well. So yeah. So uh, so so now my mother has two girls and two boys, and like. When I was in primary, I, I don't know what I wanted to be in primary. You know, I was always writing poetry, roses are red, <laughs> all of that jazz. Actually, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was, when I was in primary. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I wanted to be like Lebum Matosa. I didn't know if that would be a career or I didn't even know it was a career back then, obviously. But I just, there's like certain women that I wanted to, to be like growing up, especially when mm-hmm. I got to, especially when I got to high school when I was starting to develop into uh, a young woman and I could see myself in so many, in so many women that my, and that I still admire um, to be like. Uh, so that was Lebu Matosa, because, you know, she's a free, she was a free-spirited human being. Yeah. She had crazy hair. She had a tongue ring. She had a belly ring. She had a, uh, a moon tattoo, like, on, like, just on her belly. And who else? Huli Roberts. Oh, yeah. I, I also wanted to ask you about Lebo Mato. So was this something you were able to share with your parents that I want to aspire and grow up and be like her? Because she was made to seem controversial by the public. Like, was it easy to say, hey, that person, I look up to them, or it was something that you kept to yourself? Listen, my mother is a gem. My mother is a vibe. She has always been a vibe. I think because she hit me when she was 15, I think... So she, she kind of like doesn't want me to feel like I have to be scared of her. Mm. So she's like, she's more like my best friend. So I can tell her anything, literally anything and everything in details. Right. So <laughs> as an African mother, that's special. I, I know. I know a lot of people always say, Melo, you and your mom, oh, cringing. But I'm just like, she's my best friend. Mm. Um, I remember this other time. Uh, it was like a mini Brianna outside my house. And, you know, like my mom's friends were there. And they were like, yo, come dance for us. We'll give you five red. We'll give you whatever. And I remember I was wearing like a, a jean skirt, sing a little pleaty, and, you know, cavela. And I just started dancing. And then, so my mother's friend was like, oh, my kids. And she was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said to her, I'm going to be like Lebuma Tosa. And my mother was there. I was like, I'm going to be like Lil Matosa. I'm going to have a tongue ring. I'm going to have a belly ring. I'm going to have a lot of tattoos. And this is how I'm going to dance. And I was doing, like, literally, like, just, like, twerking. And then my mother was just like, yo, I, like, you know, clap hands. Like, this child, yo, I, I don't know. <laughs> so she's always known that I'm going to be, like, you know, out there. She's, my mother was just very cool. And also I looked up to Kuli Roberts. I mean, Kuli Roberts was mother of everything, mother of journalism, mother of writing, mother of like sleep of a tongue. Like she's just, you know, she was just special. And I think that's also the reason why I went into journalism. But mm. before that, I didn't know what I wanted to be. So I tried so many things. My mother took me to a dance school uh, in Randberg, Hip Hop Connection. And yeah, and then after that, I just like, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then 2010, going back, 2010, the World Cup, um, I was the dancer there, like for the opening. So my mother was like, okay. So my mother was like, okay, so maybe this dancing is working out. I mean, my child was on TV. 
right? Now mm. it's, it's happening. I mean, I was, I, was, I was one of the dancers from 2009, the FIFA Confed Cup and 2010 World Cup. So, and then we got paid, we got paid 1.5, imagine. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> My head was already imagining at least like significant numbers. It was the biggest thing we've ever had in our country, but hey. We got paid, I mean, I was, how old was I? I think I was like 18. We got paid 1.5 and in total I got 3,000. Oh, for the two events. For the two events, but like. Yeah, I was happy. About, I was happy about it. I mean, it's the biggest platform possible to to perform in. So. So then my mother was like, "Okay, maybe she like this dancing thing. Okay, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep paying for the dance school." And then after after a month, I was like, "I don't want to do this anymore. I think I want to go to Carolina School. Uh, she does a contemporary." And my mother was just like, "Yo, yo, yo, yo! Like, what is it that you want? I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted." And uh, after my trick, then I was like, maybe I should go into journalism. Then I started going back to all the notes that I had and all the paper, all the newspapers that I've cut out of Kuli Roberts when she used to work for, uh, is it the Times? Sun- no, when she used to work for Sunday Sunday World. And Sunday she, yeah, she had a page called Beaches Brew. And I used to, I used to love her writing. She was so witty. She was like so witty. You know, like you just really just smile alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, but why can't I be a journalist? I want to be a journalist. Also, I want to tell my story. I feel like I went through such horrible shit that I feel like I need to share it with the world. And also, why is it that I can't combine photography with journalism? Because I also don't have a lot of baby pictures of myself. Because yeah, my mother had me when she was fifteen, and you know she was seen as the black sheep of the family, and so I feel like I wasn't loved as a child from my family, not from my mom, obviously. So that could explain why so many pictures, that would explain why I don't have pictures of myself. So I was like, I should create pictures of myself. I should write about myself. Who would tell my story if not me, you know? So then I went into, I went into journalism uh, at Varsity College in Santon. And I did meet up with Kuli Roberts. Um, I remember when, uh, I think I was doing second year and we were doing our practicals and we had to go watch the Bang Bang Club. I don't know if you know the Bang Bang Club. It's a, it's a, it's a movie about these four photojournalists that worked at the star. Uh, it's based on a real, real story. And we went to watch it like when it was launched in Rosebank. And I met Kuli Roberts at some restaurant. I can't remember the restaurant. And I remember just screaming and just going to her and she's just saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, I re- and it's so crazy that um, Peter Bayer, my lecturer, that day uh, before we went to Rosebank, I had written an article. And the same day, he said to me, you write like Nomakula Roberts. And I was like, okay, because I, I, I write like, I used to write like stupid shit, you know? Mm. And I had, so I had my file with me. And she was like to me, oh, hey, come down. Hi, what's your name? You know, and I was just like, <laughs> okay, um, my name is Mame Lo. La, la, la. I'm, doing, I'm doing journalism. I always watch your podcast. I always make podcasts now. Like, yeah, 2020, about podcasts. When was this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm always reading the newspaper. I'm always cutting out. She's like, come down. 
because alcohol and i was just like yeah i love cocktails so we just chilled there and then we just we just had like i just remember her saying you're gonna be great just keep writing and 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 whatever so i was really happy that i got to meet her and sadly i we planned to meet um just before she passed i think she passed on the 17th of january 2021 or 22 when was it no, it's 2022. Yeah. So January, I, I had told her that I'm going to be, I'm going to be in South Africa in March. And then it's like, yeah, of course we'll have tea. Then I was like, no, I don't want tea. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So like that was, she was like my favorite, favorite, favorite human being. She's still my favorite human being. I looked up to her. I've seen myself in her. She also saw herself in me. She has inspired me in ways like I can't even imagine. And with and with, with with all these women that I'm telling you about, there's also one. This is like Carol Bauer. Um, she used to play. She used to play Homozo. Go Generation. I remember I used to watch Generations when I was still in the suit, and I was like, Yo, I loved her face, you know, because she's got this sharp face. You know, we call them English noses. And I was like, mm, I used to be like this child when I looked at myself in the mirror. Mm-mm. But she was. She was one person, she still is one person that I looked up to and I still look up to. I mean, she's elegant and she's successful. And maybe also one of the reasons why I looked up to her uh, is because she was she is married to a white man. Because ah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, um growing up in, in Soweto or coming from Lesotho, we've always seen white people as superior, you know. Mm. The white person is around. Oh, did you see the white person is around? You know? Yeah. So for me, when so for me, when I used to see white people, I used to see like success, like you know, you know, that that light at the end of the tunnel type yeah. of type of vibe, you know. So I think that's why. I, I think that's why I, I also admired her so much. And also the reason why I admired that she was married to a white man. For me, that also comes from Christianity, religion. Do you know what I mean? In what sense? Explain. Um, Growing up uh, in Lesotho, at my grandmother's house, there used to be a picture of a Jesus Christ on the wall. Jesus Christ with blue eyes, silk hair, very shiny, honey, dark and lovely. Um, holding a cross, like, oh, oh, I don't know. Like, it's like he's welcoming you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then on the other side, there was a picture of Satan, right? And the Satan was a black man with a tail. Oh. Uh, with a tail, and he had this big part. And he had this fork. And so the painting, how it's depicted, it was like, like black people are going inside that pot and he's holding a fork. So I was told that if you do this, if you do bad things, if you do bad things, you're gonna go to Satan. But if you come, if you come home before the street lights, you Jesus will receive you, you you'll go to heaven. But if you continue doing bad things, this is you will end up. And for wow. then, from then I was like, oh man, like Satan, like, oh, this black man, he's such a bad man. But 
look at this guy. And also the, the paintings were different, right? Even the quality, the quality, mm-hmm. like the Jesus quality is like superb. It's clean, you know, it's, oh, he's yeah. shaved. He's, he's clean. And uh, he's always watching you, you know, yeah. that, that was also the scary part that I will just be sitting in my living room and I'm thinking of if if maybe I don't want to finish my food. I used to I used to do this thing where you I would put like the chicken under the under the under the under the couch. And then immediately when I do that, I look up and Jesus is watching. And I look and I look on the other side and Satan is holding a fork. I'm gonna eat that chicken. I'm gonna finish that chicken. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, now now this this just just struck my thought a little bit. Where it's like. Uh, as you're saying that you you did uh, journalism and also photography as to the power of imagery because those are the images that influenced how you think at that time you might have grown and learned more and now know okay maybe not not all black men are like Satan but like how does like the power of like taking images telling your own story how how has that maybe also influenced from some of the things that happened as you grow up Firstly, no black man is Satan. Like <laughs> I hear you say not all black men, no black man is Satan. Okay. And yeah, that picture of Jesus Christ traumatized me to this day, by the way. Yeah. Um so with uh with all of that, with all of this information that I got as a child, it was just like in my mind. It was like embedded in my mind. I think um with my photography, I I try to photograph my people in in such a good light. I don't even know how to how to put it. Do you know it's like how it's like it's like European people, most European people, white people going to South Africa or or to Africa and only showing countries that have like that are poor, 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 poor people yes. and not showing like the beautiful. So I always try to to see the good in us because we are good people, you know, and it's just that we're we are not made to feel like we are enough. So it goes mm. back to that. It goes back to that picture that I saw of Satan that when I photograph a black man, there's a certain lighting that I use. There's a certain angle that I use so that it does not, so that it does not, um, so that he does not, what's the English word? Depict us so that, in a way that... Yeah, so that he does not appear aggressive. And because also, I mean, we are, we are told that we are aggressive and we are angry. And of course we'll be angry. A lot of shit happened to us. But yeah, yeah with, also, with, also with my writing, I, 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 I try to be as kind as I can possibly be to myself. Mm-hmm. And and to my to my people, of course. Yeah, and knowing because that you... that's the yeah because that's the only because that's the only way I can I can be able to tell a story. You know, um, I'm not really good when it comes to speaking. That's funny enough. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you you are doing good right now, and thank you for still joining me on the podcast. If you're saying if though you're saying you're not good at speaking, because your story needs to be told, and if I were we were to document it and tell it for you, it won't come across as how you want it and it'll be our words versus what we understood. And of in the course, same, uh, yeah, in the same yeah. vein, you are actually someone who's li- living most of our dreams, which is writing a memoir. And that's something that um, 
we all wish that at some point, I wish people will, will understand how I got to where I am in a, in a form of a book, but we're not all brave enough to start. And also the process wow. is a never ending process. Sometimes you, you feel like, okay, I'm not the same person as I was a year ago, but I'm not yet done with the book. How do I, how do you adjust such things? You know, also this book that I'm writing, for me, it's, it's just to inspire people, you know. Um, I want someone to look at me and say, because of you, Melo, I, I, like, I didn't give up, you know. So it's very important for me to, to speak up, to be heard, and for some people to take accountability in some of their roles they played in my in my misery, if, if, if I were to put it like that, you know. So um, I have discovered so much about myself, like with, with this um, book and I, I feel like I got to meet and confront the inner child um, you know I had to learn and unlearn so many things you know um, because you know that children we we act on the words we hear and I feel like growing up uh, some of my family members weren't so careful with their words towards me so this book would be it's going to be for that little girl that feels like they don't have a voice and they're always told to sweep things under the carpets. They're not taken, they're, they're like, they're not being taken seriously, you know? And I think that's also one of the reasons why I feel like I'm not so good when it comes to speaking because for such a long time, I've, I was always told to keep quiet that I talk too much, that mm. I meddle in people's business. Like, <laughs> You know, as a, as a kid, you know, so most of the things that have happened to me or people or things that have, people have said to me, I could not go to my grandmother and, and say this and this happened. This this person said this, you know, because I was just scared. I was I was never given room to 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 voice out how I was feeling. And, you know, but even now in my adulthood, I think I have not always chosen the safe the safest path, you know, I've, I've made my mistakes, you know, um, plenty of them. I sometimes, I sometimes jump too soon and, and then I fail to, um, what's the word? I fail to appreciate the, the consequences, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I just, most of the, I, I, I'm one person like head in first. Like I don't use, I don't use the stairs when I go inside the pool. I just jump in. And then and then I figured out what, what happened. So I'm really looking forward um, reading this book myself, you know, because obviously I've been it's, I've been writing it. Like I think I think when exactly when I started like writing the book was twenty maybe twenty nineteen, and then I stopped. But then twenty twenty one, that's when I started to put more effort. And because uh, I think I wasn't ready, you know, some of the things that, you know, how the, you know, how the mind works, you can always choose to block some things, but then I had to sit with myself. I had to remember all these things. And I think it was just traumatic for me to, to be able yeah. to, to go, to go into those spaces and, 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 and still put it into words and whew, yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted to ask, like, I mean, I'm thinking now if I have to revisit some of the things that happened in life, in my family, not to be directly only, I would get overwhelmed by how much we've either overcome and how we've let certain things happen, even though we could have done something about it. How, like, when you then get into a very 
uh, a state of being overwhelmed by the feelings while writing the book, what do you do to get yourself again back down? And to do you then put the the writing away? Is okay. I need to take a break, or because most people think they know how to tell their story with every detail, but it's basically choosing the parts that make them feel good only. Oh, for me, um, so I take care of myself so much that when I feel overwhelmed uh, about certain things, whether it's my past or the present or just any relationship in my life, like friendships, I just, uh, I, I take time out, you know, I tap out. Um, I go to the gym, I go to the gym, I can do my yoga, I read a, a lovely book, you know. Um, I just sit with myself and I cry a lot. But I think most people don't know that I cry a lot. But I think most of the people that really, really, really know me, they know that I cry. Like, I'm a cry baby. So I, I cry a lot. Actually, I cry I cry a lot now in my adult. <laughs> in my <laughs> adulthood, like, I cry a lot because I, I think going back to my childhood, I was never given a chance to no. cry and, 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 and speak. So now, whenever I feel like I'm just overwhelmed, I just cry. I just cry and... I don't force myself to write. I just cry. Mm. But then I know that the day that I'm going to write, I'm going to remember that day when I was crying and there was something happening in my mind and those words, they just fly to the paper and then it's boom. So, yeah. And I think um, your book will really, like, uh, help most of us, not just, like, a young woman. Because growing up in, in certain, like, in most African families, you're really not allowed to express your feelings in that sense. And crying thinking about now, I was like, I can count how many times I've cried in the last 10 to 20 years because it's there was never a space for that. And sometimes it is really cathartic that you're able to let out and then pick up from, uh, from, where, from where things were. Because if you if you just bottle it all up, it's a, it ends up being, being problematic. How you release it might come at the wrong time. It might come in violence or abuse of something. Of course. So it's something that, that yeah, should and- be spoken about and done if needed to. Yeah. And 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 you end up uh, you end up bleeding on people that didn't hurt you because you have this trauma, you have these feelings that you've bottled up all your life, all your entire life. And yeah, it's very important. It's very important to for African mothers and African actually just African parents to mm-hmm. to, to allow to allow their kids to to be able to share what they're feeling. You know, because then we are growing up and then we're becoming adults and then our childhood catches up with us. And that's horrible because we end up bleeding on people that didn't hurt us because we carry this trauma and we bottle things up, you know, because from the get-go, you were never taught, you have to speak your mind, you have to do this. Do you know, I always, I always, I always get so happy um, when I'm at camp um, when I'm at camp because I teach English mm-hmm. at camps and I, I always get so happy when I see young kids like five-year-olds like six-year-olds and just I'm telling them what to do and they'll just stand there to tell me no I don't want to do this because if I do this and that and that I was never that child you know I wish I wish I was that child and I always wonder like how it would have turned out to be like you know it's like obviously now and then we we ask ourselves if one two three didn't happen to me how was I going to be as a human? How was I going to turn out if I wasn't blah, blah, blah? How was, you know what I mean? So I yeah. always, I, 
so I, I salute for, I think my mother is a superhuman being for, for allowing us as her children to be so free with her, to tell her everything. Like my mother, when I started dating, my mother said to me, you are not going to stand by the corner with that boy. I don't want you, I want you to come and stay inside the, inside the yard. Mm. So if anything happens, I know. I don't want you at the corner there because you're scared, because you're dating, because it's a natural thing. It must happen. It's a circle of life, you yeah. know? So and I it's, was... Mm. It's one of those things where it's like, um, like there's expectations that one day you'll grow up and get married, but you can't date. How? Like, yeah, like, but how? Like, how is it like, going to happen? Uh, <laughs> unless you want to arrange it yourself as parents, but like I don't see the, the logic behind it. And what I've learned this side is that uh, kids here are are taught to question stuff. Like mm-hmm. maybe they won't always defy, but they will ask before doing why. Like why are we doing this? Oh and, my god! And we you. grew up <laughs> thinking, okay, if a teacher says now it's time for this, no matter how nonsensical it sounds, you basically you have to it. do it because the teacher said it. And it it made us people who who don't question things a lot because mm-hmm. then you are defying and you are misbehaving and there's punishment yeah. and. I mean, I, I I don't know about you. I went to school in a time where corporal punishment was still allowed. So there was consequences that you were like, okay, let me save me a few lashes. Let me just shut up. And that's not how you should grow. Yeah. And you know, that's what that's what I hate also. Because us in the 90s would say things like, yo, Tina, like, hello, hola, you know, we got beaten up and that thing shaped us. No, it did not shape us. We are, we are broken people. Mm. You know, we, we are broken people. We, we attending therapies. We, 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 we are struggling. We're dealing with depression. You know, it's, it, that, that's not how I would raise my, my child. I want my child to question things. I want my child to tell me, mom, I don't want to do this and that. It does not make me feel good when I do this. I, I just know yeah. something must give. Like, I don't like that at all. Do you, you then see how, um, imagine like if you then grow up in a way that you just allow what, what you, you've been told without questioning it, even if it feels uncomfortable. And then now in the age of social media, you just see things, you are easily influenced and you hardly like be like, cause, cause here I've seen people just question things for the sake of, I'm going to do it, but I just want you to explain and convince me, like work harder yeah. to get me to do something instead of like, okay, it's standard procedure. I'm just going to follow. And I think. It, it is a time where we should we should also be questioning and trying to rework on ourselves. Unfortunately, we have to start back as, as you know, we, we have, have to, to go, go back, back to go forward yeah. instead of, okay, I'm here now, I'm going forward immediately. And that's something that we should acknowledge. And I hope that it's it's part of what uh, your book entails and contains and the fact that of we're course. always... Yeah, so I'm looking I'm always, forward to it. And I, yeah. I'm not putting any pressure or any rush. Whenever it's ready, we'll be here still waiting to read it because sometimes people rush things and they don't come out how they're supposed to be no i'm not i'm not i'm not rushing things i'm i'm taking it baby steps at the time and yeah you when you read the book you will know that i question a whole lot of things even still today i think also my family was just a shock for them i think years ago when i just told my mom that i don't want to go to church anymore <laughs> You know, and, mm. I, and I was just like, I don't want to go to church. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Don't tell me about Jesus Christ. And like, this is exactly what I told her. She's just like, you know, when somebody's just shocked, like, eh? what happened? And then, you know, she's like, 
probably is this white people that you chill with all the like all the time. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Can I tell you how complicated that is for the parents? Let's say to be quite specific, the mothers, because it feels like they had they failed in raising you when you start no. questioning. Because on my 30th birthday, it was the first time I walked around with a beer in my hand at my home because my mom is super Christian. We don't drink. It's like she knows oh we drink God. alcohol, but it was the first time seeing us drink, like all of us. And therefore, I like I've I've started becoming this. I, I think it's it's time to show her the real me before it's too late and then she's too old. And you know, it's like I, I can't live like this. When I'm at home, I can't pretend to be someone else that when I'm here, no. I need to find a balance. And oh my gosh, such admin. <laughs> It's freeing, and I think, like, as I, I mentioned to her, hey, I'm going to get my first hat soon and so forth. It's all shocking. I think also I'm a little bit harsh in telling her everything all at once, but I think I, yeah, I want to no. see me and, and make our relationship better and more honest because then I've been lying to her the whole time. I think also you're not being harsh. I mean, you're 30 years old, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're 30 years old, and it was the first time walking around. I mean... That's, that's just how it is. I mean, I smoke in front of my mother now, but I knew at some point that she was going to find out. And I think she found out a long time ago. Because at mm. first, she, I mean, I tell her, it's, I'm an adult. Like, after 19, I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. Like, I used to threaten my mother, literally. I know I'm a douchebag. I used to threaten my mother. I used to say, I'm 19 years old now. Do you know that I can leave the country without your permission? I was like, don't test me. I need to live my life. And but and she was like, but I've always allowed you to live your life. I was just saying, but then I was thinking, does she know that I smoke? Because she found out that I smoke at 22, you know? It's, it's also those things where, like, I'm doing this so that I can have a better relationship with my own child as well. Like, whereas, like, yeah. I, but I don't want to be the hypocrite, right? Like, okay, by me, you're allowed to do everything, but I'm still afraid to do it with my own parent, even though we are these old years. My mom is approaching 60 and it's like uh -uh. let me first free myself so that this child can grow up seeing oh he lives his words he's he's not someone who mm -hmm. says something else and does something else and that's that's a big deal and yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously i think that that's one part where we, we're really strong in our beliefs and strong in our opinion about but one thing that i didn't want to miss out is how um how you 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 um interact with us via social media i feel like you're one of those people who we might think we know you from social media, but it's also in how genuine you are. You're not trying to be something else. You're not trying to give us a character. Like, how do you approach using social media as, as a place to express yourself, as a place to engage with others and encourage others? You know, social media, for me, it's just like, it's therapeutic, especially TikTok. I mean, I started TikTok during lockdown. And then my other account got deleted, whatever. And I started again, 2021. And it's just therapeutic for me. And also just meeting people, like different people from all walks of lives. Um, and I choose what I put out on social media. I don't just put out everything. Mm. So, but most people, you're right. Most people think that they know us from our post, you know, what, what we post. They think, ah, oh, but Melo wouldn't do this. I know Melo and I, I think that's also a crazy, a crazy thing that even when I was in South Africa, I met some of the people that follow my TikTok and, you know, they would just like come up to me and say, and scream and say, man, no, please say this word that you always say on TikTok. And it was just like, but that's content. I can't, I, I don't say that. I don't, 
every day of my life, I don't say fuck, man. Fuck. I, I don't. It's just content. Like, there has to be a context. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't just say it. It feels like the times when people go to, to you know, when people used to go to their favorite, uh, maybe people who are starring on soapies and call them with their soapy names. Hey, Karabo Morocco and so forth. Like, yeah. uh, it's not the same. It's not the same person. Yeah. And at times it's not because it's fake. It's because it's, I'm trying to get something across. And, and like, like for me here, for instance, me at my own place, I'm a boring person. I can't express that on on social media. You will not be entertained or you will not find anything of value. And therefore, mm. me behind the mic like this, there's a little bit of a different personality interest that I have. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it must have been awkward, but also it's good to, to just say to the people, hey, there's lines. Yeah, you know, so I do try to share a bit of my life, uh, my videos, uh, even though I don't speak, maybe I will just put like, a song that speaks about depression and I would have like visuals that are very like provocative that will make you feel something because that is the aim, you know? Um, Even though some people are just so numb to artistic expression, they don't understand it. And sometimes they just feel like it's, I don't know. It's just like somebody would be like, so what, what are we watching here? And I'm just like, my guy just pass, you know? And so I, I try to, to share, um, my life about depression like that I have also went through depression and most people get shocked when I tell them that I'm depressed or I'm badly depression or I have a mental um, illness because most of my videos I'm I'm laughing I'm cracking jokes you know even on my bio on TikTok it says I'm here to make you laugh so people know me as this funny crazy girl who's always doing her life and sometimes having my beer you know tipsy and trendy (laughs) that's me (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> but sometimes I, I I do try and share a bit of myself. I, I think I sometimes I and I, I'm not I, I don't feel like I'm compelled or forced to do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just want to engage with people. I just want somebody watching me to also say, okay, this girl, she's always putting out fun videos, but she's also human. She also goes through things because I hate when people look at my life and think my life is so perfect. Because I get such comments that people are like, oh my gosh, you are living my dream. I wish I could be in Germany. As if being in Germany automatically means that I'm rich. Yeah. You know, so I think it's important for me to be careful with what I share also. So that um, young girls that would be watching, especially on on Instagram, because most of the time TikTok, the things that I say, I always uh, say it's for under 18. Like I don't want um, young girls to watch. I, I think I'm allowed to put whatever that I want in social media, but on Instagram, some of the posts that I post, I wish and hope that young girls would be inspired because I don't, and anyway, I have, I have nothing against people that post uh, their lavish lives, moe, twerking on the yard and, and whatever. It's but me as, a, yeah, it's there. It's, and it, and I, I like it for them. But for me as an artist, I have, I always feel like I'm, I'm so many people in one. Like, you know, I, I have a, I have a very artistic side where I would post something so deep with my natural hair, scruffy, no makeup, and then the following day, I have this girl with red nails, red lipstick, fake weave, and I'm just saying stupid stuff. And then I have this girl who's depressed. I have this 
Do you know, so I'm just a combination of chaos and I like that. So I like sharing my chaos, you know? Yeah, that, that, that is reality. And I, I once heard someone saying uh, everyone wants like the, the success of like, let's say, for instance, um, the athletes that, that are highly paid, but they don't know the amount of time they don't have to spend with their families because they have to, to train. They don't know how much sacrifice mm-hmm. goes behind it. You just want the success part of things. And when people look at you and be like, I want your life, it's like, would you be able to handle every part of my life though? Mm-hmm. You know, where they, they only want that glamour and it's, it's, it's also, it would be a lie for you to not show the glam side of your life. And you just say, yeah. oh, my life is all said. No, it exists, but it's a full package and people should know that there's a high balance and you should find your own happiness. And that's, that's yeah. something that is forgotten. And you know, when you're saying like, they just want the glamour life, it's like people don't understand that social media, it is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because... All these influencers that you see on social media and they're posing with them away, they're in hotels and whatever. These are people, these people are paid, you know? Some of them are not, some of them are not living like that, right? So I'm imagining a young girl in Soweto in one room and they're struggling and she gets data and she logs into Instagram and she sees this girl at the hotel drinking more way and she's like I want to aspire just to be like that nothing wrong with having aspirations or wanting to be a certain way but only if it's truthful you mm. know um, and then that's why you, you end up having to see these girls now doing things that they shouldn't be doing like getting themselves into trouble uh, especially now I feel like now it's just so it's just so hectic in the world I mean, me growing up as a teenager, honey, it was, it was lovely. You know, we were, we were paying 150 to go to Jimisty Lake to go wherever. You, hardly, you would hardly hear that there was a girl who was raped, who was murdered, who was... Those things, I'm sure they did exist. But now, I feel like now it's like, yo, yo, every day, every day, every day, there's a woman being killed. Every day, there's this, oh my God, it's just heartbreaking. Like people may be resharing some of the content of the life they they aspire to. It's easy for someone to go into your DMs and offer you exactly that you were looking for. And you feel like here's a short way, but you're being lured into something that's horrible. And yeah, currently like uh, it's it's more dangerous and easier for people to to lie to you and promise you that. And then something else happens. Yeah. It was you back know? then. It was like for someone mm-hmm. to go find you so where to back that they would have to put an effort. Like now they could just write you and hey, let's meet you yeah. and even send you money. And, you know, it's so simple that it's, yeah. it's scary. And and that's something that people should know that it comes it comes with its evils, social media, even though it is a good thing and a good place for us to, to, to learn more. Yeah, I mean, you also have, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s and so many young girls look up to me, right? And I always get DMs. And I also see there's a certain influencer that I won't mention their name, but... She does all these events. I also don't know what she does for a living, in all honesty. She's just like, I don't know. She's just mm-hmm. a chaos, in my opinion. And I am allowed to have an opinion because people do have an opinion about myself as well. We are human beings. We judge each other. Yeah. And so she's always posting things like, um, I'm looking for nice, beautiful girls. Send me a picture. If you want to party, if you want to have this, DM me. And I feel like, why is that even allowed? That is... 
that is also some sort of like human trafficking because if anything happens to these girls, so you see how desperate people can be because if I were to put out on my social media, I'm telling you, I would get like hundreds of girls who would come. If I were to be South African, be like... to come to Germany and they just have to send a photo. And now that is human trafficking because it involves flights, but it's the same even if it means take a It Uber. is the same. It's the same. It's the same. And she's asking, send me a picture uh, with your face and full body and you don't have to, you're not going to spend money. I'm just thinking, how crazy? What does this world come up to? Like, what the hell? You know, so social media, it is a blessing and a curse. So that's why I, I choose what I post and what I don't post. And even though people think that they know me, um, I think it's just okay for me to just um, allow them to think that. Yeah, and, and I mean, like with like um, old uh, paintings and people who used to paint like your um, Picasso and all, they never had to, time to have to explain their art. And I guess we should also sometimes use social media. as like, it's out there, what you make of it, it's really your responsibility. I don't have to explain it's myself really... every time. No, and art and art is also meant to be provocative. And and when you put your art your art out there, anyone can just come and say whatever. It's okay. They can just say, "Oh, this actually this reminds me of my mother's my mother's house back and whatever." But you know, they can just come up with anything. That's art. It's meant to provoke emotions. You know. I think the the thing is, these are like. Um topics that are of interest to me as well and as i mentioned we could go forever with them but um there's this one segment of the show that um no one leaves the show without covering which is the ref- rapid fire questions that i have it's like five questions which you could answer as quick as you can but if you want to add context you can also expand and explain a little bit so the first mm-hmm. one says if you're failing to be consistent in your work or personal space uh what other attribute helps you to get back on track i think i did mention earlier that i I go to the gym, I read books, I dance a lot, I cry a lot. And yeah, I just sit with myself and have a conversation with myself. That's just simple as that. Mm. Okay. And the second one, give us your all-time favorite, what is hot right now, and uh, what is on your radar when it comes to either books, podcasts, or documentaries, whichever you feel is your field. Mm. What is hot right now? Uh, when it comes to books, I'm reading, it's crazy, because I've read it in, in high school. I'm reading my Angelo. I know why the cage birds sing. Uh, I read it in, in high school, but I'm reading it again. Hopefully, I would get a different understanding now in my adulthood. And mm-hmm. I'm reading Gabriella Union. Um, you got anything stronger? The continuation of uh, you... We're going to need more wine. Um, oh, I'm reading a lot of books. I'm reading How to Make a Negro Christian. Oh I'm, re- oh, I'm reading Jordan Peterson. My favorite podcast is The Diary of the CEO by Stevens. And yours, of course. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Joe Rogan. And who's this guy? He's an Indian guy. Shetty. Um, Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. Oh, I love Jay Shetty. I just recently watched his documentary with uh, Hamilton Lewis. Loved, 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 loved Lewis Hamilton because I just have a crush on him. And, um, <laughs> what else? What else? What else? Oh, oh, let me just tell you. Oh my God. So, um, you know, I'm all about like supporting black, black brands. You know, I'm pro black. Mm-hmm. Everything about me is black. 
hey. So, <laughs> so um, there's this brand, clothing brand in South Africa. It's called uh, Zulu Astronaut by Sandilis Tebe. Oh, man, he does like caps, he does t-shirts. And he recently just opened um, his Kota uh, Plays Nyana Esoet. It's called the Milky Way. My God, that boy is doing the most. And also there's another brand that I really, really love. It's Boys of Soweto by Bob the Stylist. And he also does like hoodies. Just he has everything. Like his stuff is at Markham's um, amazing. The last one is Umelo Takasi. Your name. <laughs> hey, I was like, eh, me. <laughs> Umelo. Umelo Takasi. He does, he does hoodies, he does t-shirts. Like he's just he has this whole maps of like the whole entire Soweto Kasi is like on the t-shirts. Mm. So yeah, I'm all about black blackness, being black, wearing black stuff. I'm so happy that your your um answer went a little bit further than what I asked because now I'm like, oh, I should check those people out. Maybe those are people that I'd like to have <laughs> on my show. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you better, you better. Yeah. Amazing human beings. <laughs> Definitely. I should check them out. And um yeah, so question number three says, if you have uh, the opportunity to deliver a message to your future self, let's say about 20 years from now, what would you want uh, them to know about your current efforts? So you're telling them about something that already happened and how you felt at that time. Ooh, my future, to my future self. Future self, 20 years later. 20 years later. Hmm. You learned how to honor and treat your body well and how to honor and treat those around you? Do you feel the sunshine on your skin? If not, go outside and be grateful for the fact that it is constantly shining down on you and that you are alive. You spend your whole childhood yearning to be an adult, impatiently waiting for the rite of passage that, you, that would grant you the maturity, respect, and validations you so desperately sought. As you continue to age, continue to grow, to get more awesome, remember the goal is to peak go later. You've got a lot of time. That is the most thought out answer I've gotten here and not hating on my previous guest, but that was really beautiful. And I guess you have the advantage of being someone who's good with words. So I'll definitely have to re-listen to this one so that I can pick up everything in detail and Ask myself, what would I ask a uh, twenty-year later me as well? What would I tell them if uh, I had the chance to deliver the same message? So, um, yeah, moving to the fourth question. The fourth question. Oh, this one puts me in the hot seat a little bit. It says, <laughs> um, if you were, we were to switch roles and you get to interview me, what one question would you ask me? Oh, if we could switch roles, right? Mm. Okay. So, what is what is Life, what is the life question that you haven't solved? Oh, yeah, um, that is one that um, I'm currently and constantly working on. Um, you know, uh, there's the whole thing of like, when you choose a career, choose something that you enjoy so that you don't feel like you're working a day in your mm -hmm. life and finding finding purpose. I feel like I've, I've turned a new leaf. Um, I've gotten to an age where I'm, I'm asking myself, um, is just going to work and serving the employee what I'm, I was brought to this world to do. What else can I, can I do to add value to other people's lives? And I'm asking myself, 
what more can I offer? But also knowing that uh, there's still reality of I have to pay bills, um, be a responsible mm-hmm. person and have have income and also think about retirement and so forth. But the question is purpose that, that I'm still working hard on. What am I here for? Like what what else? What are we, like what am I bringing to this world that no one else can do? That's something that keeps me up a little bit. I think I had nightmare that's similar to that actually the previous night where I was asking like I woke up and I was like it's a lot it's a lot and I asked okay it was just a nightmare because it's constantly a question I'm asking myself and I hope um with my few actions I'm going in the right path beautiful yeah mm-hmm. so the last one it's back to you again on the hot seat uh finish this sentence the reason I cannot quit is because the reason I cannot quit is because I really don't think that life is about the I could have been, you know. Um, I think life is only about the I tried to do, you know. I don't mind the failure, but I can't imagine that I'd forgive myself if I didn't try. So I just have to keep trying. I can't quit. There's no reason, actually. It's not in my plate. I don't want it. I don't want to eat it. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> That is always a good, good point to end the show because I've never had someone who was like, actually, I want to quit when I asked them this question, meaning that <laughs> after this conversation, people are going to go back to what they do best and what they enjoy and continue doing mm. what they do because I don't want to see anyone who is on this show or anyone else quitting on themselves because we have so much capabilities and um, our purpose is just to figure it out and, and do the best. Yeah, Definitely. I, I really enjoyed this conversation and I think I'm a little bit biased towards people I genuinely enjoy talking to in real life as well, uh, that I end up stretching the episode a little bit longer, but again, for Yay! Me, it's, it's about getting all that juice out and getting people to express themselves. And that is what I enjoy about this podcast. And thank you for joining me. I love it. It was such an amazing podcast. You're an amazing podcaster. I think next season I need to add a little bit of sounds. I think you have I to, to oh, you have to, or else just give me a job. I mean, I'm struggling here in Germany. Please. <laughs> <laughs> See about that. Uh, and just quickly closing, can you just plug your socials? If people are like, hey, I want to see this person. I want to see what they were talking about. Where can the people find you on the socials? Um, on Instagram, I Melo Vesely, M-E-L-L-O-V-E-S-E-L-Y. Oh, that's a rhyme. And uh, Facebook also, but I don't, I don't use Facebook that much. I feel like Facebook is like family, South African, or don't, so don't put Facebook. <laughs> hey, but the South African people might find you <laughs> Yeah, but no, they must find me on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Melo Vesely, M-E-L-L-O-V-E-S-E-L-Y. And my TikTok as well, it is Mamelo Vesely, M-A-M-E-L-L-O-V-E-S-E-L-Y. Follow me and have a great time. Well, I hope people will do the right thing and follow you there. And yeah, again, thank you for joining me and enjoy your day. Thank you so much, Dumela. All the best. Thank you very much for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the We Move Experience podcast.